0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eastern Conference Confidential Episode 4. Uh, it's been a minute. Last episode was like the middle of November. But um, with everything that's happened in the last three days or so, uh, we're back. So I'm your host, as per the usual, Evan Vallella, joined by my motley crew of fellow soccer Twitter enthusiasts, uh, Ryan Allen and Brendan Doherty. Guys, how we doing?
1: Yeah, well. Pretty pretty good. It's a it's a little bit cold up in upstate New York, but mm. you know I'm I'm bundled up and I'm I'm dealing with it as best I can.
0: For everyone uh, not listening to the video podcast, it doesn't exist. You're wearing a nice a nice flannel shirt. Yeah, <laughs> um, so this is actually
1: so... my second flannel. I have a I have a smaller Ooh. flannel <laughs> underneath this flannel. Yeah. yeah,
0: as as you do. Uh, Ryan, meanwhile, you are on location in a undisclosed hallway at a undisclosed university in Eastern Carolina. <laughs> um, how, how are things, uh, wherever you are?
2: Things are going pretty well. Things are going pretty well. It's, if it makes you feel any better, Brennan, it's at least warmer down here in the, <laughs> the South.
1: Are, are I like you, you said in a drafty hallway at it? least?
0: Ooh, there you go. <laughs> Um, guys I, I guess we, we won't really um, waste any more time uh, we'll keep it, we'll it in house uh, in the USL ki- well okay kind of uh, big news coming out today other than other big news that we'll get to um, USL MVP and golden boot winner Shauna Coley is headed to the Empire State joining New York City Football Club um, big move for them I know earlier on Twitter I said that was kind of, a Poku esque player, but I th- I think ocoley has got it in him to be better than that even.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, the, the, there are similarities between the two signings with the uh, New York City FC, who's supposed to be this like foreign influence club um, run from from Manchester, but you know they seem to find these uh, these players in the lower divisions in the U.S. Um, give them a chance they did it with kwadwopoku um but I think yeah we've seen we've seen a spectacular from Sean Coley, which is something that you know other players can produce a a goal like that once a season, but um I feel like Shauna Coley's had an, had enough of those moments had enough of those goal of the week candidates, so that's somebody that you could really rely on in a pinch
2: yeah, I definitely think there's a place for him on and at least the eighteen for NYCFC, and they definitely had no trouble at scoring goals this year, and just to be able to add to that offensive firepower would be a big boost for the club.
0: Um, starts maybe a a uh, Leicester City and dismemberment of that FC Cincinnati team, though um, nothing <laughs> super troubling yet. But I mean, a Coley gone, and that's a huge piece of that puzzle. You know, I don't know who else. Other clubs you're talking to at FC Cincinnati, but there's definitely guys on that team, like, uh, you know, Mitch Hildebrandt, maybe, who uh, I could definitely see moving up.
2: Yeah, especially with the influence the USL is getting, it, a lot of the upper leagues are starting to pay a ton more attention now.
1: Yeah, well, you said upper leagues. Um, I guess possibly <laughs> just the one upper league. Yeah, um, the upper league. But yeah, uh, what what I thought was pretty pretty interesting about um, FC Cincinnati's roster and um, a lot of the players on it have MLS experience. Um, and whether that's you know four minutes off the bench of, mm-hmm. of an of Open Cup game, I think once for uh, you know Tyler Polak, who spent time in USL and NESL, Um But I think Austin Berry, um, a couple other players on that team, have. have had a taste of the NAS, of the of the M L S level. Um, Sean Acoli as well spent a spent a season maybe two with uh Revolution. Didn't get much much of a look out there because you know there are issues in that coaching stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, and not just on FC Cincinnati. There are, there are a bunch of teams that um, had standout performers who could you know, given an off season of training with the team, getting uh, familiar with the system, could make an impact in M L S.
0: Uh, so moving on from there I guess a couple couple big moves Um, you got uh, Orlando City gets a trio of players most notably um, Zach Carroll from Red Bull 2 who is a big part of their defensive line Um, and then Scott Thompson and uh, Fernando Timbo pending approval I mean look at it but uh, you know Orlando City snuck in the playoff spot and uh look like they're trying to build on some, some success. And Anthony Poulos gets to make his first uh, personnel move.
2: Yeah, and those players will be able to at least start next season at the new downtown stadium when it was built in Orlando. So now Orlando City B will actually be playing within the city limits of Orlando. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: the, the Zach Carroll um, thing is a little bit weird to me. Um, he was i think signed to an mls contract by red bulls then cut then signed to a usl contract and he had this really strong um season along with the rest of the red bulls defense and backline uh but like i don't know why he wouldn't stay there it's a successful team um red bulls apparently saw everything they could from him and thought that his ceiling is the usl level um so it's interesting that he's going to another MLS reserve team, um, playing at the USL level, hoping to make uh, make it a, a different impression with the Orlando coaching staff that he did with with Red Bull.
0: Well, uh, Thompson too was a was a Red Bull Academy alum, and um, not to always harp on this, but you know Red Bull sent out like you know ten or so guys last year. Well, I shouldn't the beginning of last year. Um, And they they ended up doing okay in in USL. um, Like, they were okay last year. Um, So I don't know if it's just a weird thing that they do where they get rid of all their players and then find new guys and they're better than the ones before, but I don't know how they (laughs) do better than they did last year. Um, And then uh, Timbo, or Fernando de Morazos San Felice, if I may. Um, Ottawa Fury guy. Um Turned pro at 16, apparently, with a, with a club in Brazil. Um, I haven't seen him play, but uh, that sounds exciting. Austin Aztec's alum, too. So, uh, we'll see. I don't know. Do, do either of you guys know a whole lot about uh,
1: Timbo? No. Uh, no I... Whenever I watched some Ottawa Fury games this past season, I couldn't take my eyes off Lance Roseboom. So, <laughs> I wasn't really that... paying attention to it
0: that will be a no uh moving i guess up the coast from orlando um yudai amura and then um sakere uh resigning for resigning resigning for richmond um yeah i mean amura he's either really productive or not and sakere has been strong for them in his time there so two really good moves for for the kickers and you know i'm sure they'll be in the playoffs again or something like that just you know nice to have those guys locked up for for a couple more years
1: yeah um i think his name fred emusa secure i don't know yeah a name similar to that um the guy is a player that um you you really hate playing against he gets stuck into tackles um kind of unapologetic in his uh in his uh, uh the virulence of his challenges um, but Yudai uh yeah, he scored two goals against the Rhinos this past season. One of them was a, kind of a rebound. The other one was a really nice free kick. Um, and he went on a really strong scoring run, I guess, three, two-thirds of the way through the season, um, where he scored something like four goals in five games or something crazy like that. Um, but, I mean, he's a young player. He's tenacious, so you know, locking him down for another year can only be good for Richmond.
2: Yeah, he's joining 10 other players already on contract for the kickers, and it's just really important for a club like that to consistently have a roster that's the same every year and make be able to make the playoffs, especially with how competitive the East has been at the top of the league.
0: And uh, so we got two that'll little, little link together a little bit. Um, I'll apologize ahead of time if I'm wrong here, but their timelines suggested that they overlapped. Um, James Chambers re-signs with Bethlehem. Another guy that likes to tackle. Um, ten yellow cards last year and a red. Um, I won't say a whole lot about them because after he got his third, and I asked him if the yellow cards were because he just kind of likes to tackle guys, he, he <laughs> said I had, he said I had the wrong image of him, um, huh. and I I felt a little afraid. So um, so he re-signs for Bethlehem for a multi-year contract, and uh, he went from being a guy who was struggling to get his footing underneath of him. And then once he found it, he's, I'm a little biased here, but maybe one of the, the five or ten best central mids in the league right now. Um, So uh, he's also going to be the captain of the team. Uh, that was in the press release as well. Um, if you guys, I don't know how much, I mean, you saw him twice, but I don't know if he stuck out at all um, in that that, you know, congested midfield,
1: but... Uh, well, when Rochester played Bethlehem, they were always more worried about speed um, off the wings or up top. Um, so, weren't really paying attention to the guy who was pulling the strings in midfield um, and playing cool. those passes, uh, those cutting diagonals, or those those uh, the the, the well weighted balls over the top. But
0: and then uh, Ottawa, who I think have made the most moves in an off-season in USL history, have signed Shane McElhenney. Um If I'm pronouncing your name wrong, good sir, please uh, let us know. <laughs> um, st- uh, six foot two, uh 25, um, played for the same club as James Chambers' St. Pat's in 2015. Oh, no, he didn't. I apologize. I'm terribly wrong. He was with Derry City um, most recently. So that's really bad research on my end. But, um, yeah, another big, young enough physical center back in USL and it's, uh, it's Ottawa Furies signing.
1: Yeah, and he's just another um, player uh, to make the move to USL from Ireland. I think that's a pretty compatible league. Um, yeah. Danny Earls uh, initially came to Rochester when he was still a teenager, um, but he... Um, was from Ireland, I think, played a little bit in the Aston Villa Youth Academy. But um, there was, a, I think, a defender for Tulsa, also from Ireland, um, Irish Dave. Um, and then, you know, there, there are a bunch of other players, um, either Irish, Northern Irish or, or British. I think that's a, a strong source of, of players um, for the USL teams to, to tap into.
2: Yeah, and Liam Miller, who was the captain of the now former hammer, formerly the captain of the Hammerheads this past North season, Carolina was, FC. <laughs> was also another club or another player who came over from Ireland.
0: Yeah, um, Ireland is to USL in Europe as Jamaica is to USL in CONCACAF. Maybe, I don't know. Jamaican Football Federation, I'd love to hear from you. Um, (laughs) uh, Wrapping up the Pennsylvania-centric news, Liam Doyle moving from Harrisburg to Smoke Park Rangers. If Harrisburg were bad before, I can't wait for next year.
1: Yeah, Um, I saw a little bit of of Liam Doyle when he was trialing with Rochester in the preseason before he made his way down to Harrisburg, Um, and he was a a big, strong, no-nonsense center back. Um, I'm not quite sure why he didn't stick around in Rochester, but he had a really good season with Harrisburg. Uh, yeah as as you said evan it's going to be interesting to see what Harrisburg can come up with i just um but it's a good opportunity for for doyle. He seems like a player who rises to an occasion um, and getting a chance to play at an mls reserve side um, you know it might be it might work out really great for him
0: yeah we well, uh, we'll touch on that later i'm sure, but the part of the allure for him of uh, Swope Park, which falls out of our jurisdiction normally, but I'll make an exception. Uh, you know, they're they're Sporting Kansas City's affiliate, so there's a your 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 pathway that everyone loves to talk about so much from USL to MLS, which by the <laughs> way just got a little bit shorter. Uh, you know, you can see it there. It's not this Harrisburg thing where okay, I play here for a while with an Indy, and then where do I go from there? Um, but I guess that's uh, oh. Actually, speaking of affiliate clubs, Ottawa Fury. <laughs> uh, uh,
1: yeah,
0: a- apparently will now become the Montreal Impacts U.S.L. affiliate, which would shutter uh, FC Montreal. Which I think we can finally close out the story on how many teams we have next year. Just kidding, but.
1: Right. At least at least for today until USSF right. makes a makes a decision yeah. we don't have to count to 31. We can only count to 30 now.
0: Yes, I only know
1: what 30 means. So. <laughs> but uh yeah, FC Montreal had a had a bit of a like I don't know how to judge their reserve system cuz they they developed some players um mm-hmm. that have come on and made an impact in MLS. Um but then they were awful. Right. Um I know at least leading into their first season, they were offering tickets for free, free admission to USL games, and even with that, they couldn't muster 500. Um, so I mean, there were clearly issues there. Um, They—I don't. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say they didn't win a game before July. Um, that may or may not be true, but that's what it felt like, especially in the first season. Um, it was always, they were always a better second-half so. club. Yeah um which makes you wonder why the coaching staff just couldn't figure out their players before the middle of the summer but um yeah there were some issues there uh definitely and uh i I want to I don't want to rub it in guys but that was always my favorite for which team which of the existing 31 teams was going to get cut so i i I, th- I think we can talk about it now
0: um you called that <laughs> when everyone said harrisburg
1: yeah i was pretty upset and, about that cuz everybody and, jumped uh, on the harrisburg is dying bandwagon well <laughs> i mean
0: like between between the two of those clubs like talk about black sheep in the family like clubs that i really just want to go and give a collective hug to yeah um yeah but no when you when you said fc montreal uh via uh carrier pigeon i looked at the pigeon and went wow that's that's an out there call but we'll we'll see um, and you're you're apparently not wrong. Um so props yeah, to you just, for being right. Uh my sources were for, for you the good. Everybody. It's it's um, it's weird.
1: Um I mean I definitely wouldn't have picked an MLS reserve team to to drop right. out of the league. Um I mean, obviously that's not something that's happened yet. Um right. but really, I mean Harrisburg, uh Montreal, if we're in the West, maybe Tulsa those are that's low-hanging fruit so Mm -hmm. you know how how bad does it have to feel if you're if you're a Harrisburg player or in that front office when everybody on Twitter was saying that your club is dying
2: yeah yeah
0: Ryan you're our resident my (laughs) team doesn't exist anymore I'm gonna work this in every week I swear to god you're (laughs) a resident my team doesn't exist anymore expert um care to care to weigh in any, any yeah, words just, of condolence for Montreal fans? Fan? Well,
2: I feel bad for all 15 of them, but... Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's just easier for the Impact to loan out a couple players every couple seasons instead of formatting their entirely other roster when they have to worry about competing in MLS. And it just didn't seem like even all of the games I watched on YouTube... FC Montreal did play Bethlehem for the first game of the USL season this past year, and I think that was their highest attended game of the year. It just looked kind of awkward playing in the really big, cavernous Olympic stadium when there was probably more people on the field than in the stands.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean,
2: I
0: don't uh, want to make uh,
1: too much out uh, of it because a lot of other MLS teams have made loans to um, non-affiliated teams, but... Uh, Montreal Impact loaning forward um, Jamaican forward Romario Williams yeah Um, loaning him to Charleston uh, seemed seemed odd and I'm not sure whether they loaned him down so he could get playing time because they they didn't think that they could fit him into their roster for FC Montreal with the Canadian quota that a certain number of players on the field at all times have to be declared for the Canadian national team um but uh, it's just it's just a weird one yeah
0: well, so initially, initially what I had heard was they did that because Charleston was going to be the affiliate for Atlanta and Williams was going to wind up signing with Atlanta United um,
1: <laughs> so in, Montreal like it, kept him on their roster and right him yeah so
0: um, that looks like it's false yeah <laughs> But I don't think that whoever told me that would have predicted that this was going to happen either. So, right. you know, either way. Um, so I think I think that's it really for all the transfer e-type news this this go around. A little less this week. There's not 25 people that signed the one team at one time, so that's good. <laughs> um, g- gentlemen, though, we we have a. Um, um, well, I mean, I, I don't really know the tone I would like to take here. Um, perhaps we have some closure regarding our friends that were formerly above us in the NISL, because mm-hmm. uh, like yeah. they're they're done, right? Like that's got to be it.
2: Well, I mean, finally,
0: <laughs> finally, it's got to be it.
2: I mean, the cosmos but, and Rayo didn't attend ownership meetings. I can't see how the league would survive past so, this off season.
0: Um. Yeah i i would like to to take the time uh i feel i feel so i I really do this is gonna sound terrible but i i I honestly do i feel so bad for ryan richter and mickey (laughs) daly and whoever else moved middle of the season or even in ryan's case it was right before the last game of the season for usl Mm -hmm. um to make the move from USL to NASL only to be out of a job, out of a contract, Um, you know, uh, four months later, five months later. um, That's crazy. And um, really speaks to how far that the NASL fell off in the last, you know, year or so.
1: Yeah. It is, I mean, to consider – where NESL and USL started in 2011 and where they are now, Um, you know, in 2012, if you were going to ask me which of the two leagues was going to survive, and I think I wrote this at the time, that I thought NESL had a much stronger base of of teams at the time and they had a better model, um, I thought they were going to succeed, but uh, I think the story has been told about where they went wrong and what what troubled the league in the last couple of seasons. and I think a lot of those troubles, especially some of the more salacious details coming out about you know players not having health insurance and players not getting paid for for weeks and months at a time, that that's helped to kind of overshadow some of the the issues that USL still has. Because mm-hmm. it hasn't been announced officially yet, and you know I don't really want to write their their epitaph, their obit now, um, until we get official confirmation. Just like I don't like to get too excited about Tottenham transfer rumors until you know, something actually happens. But, uh, I mean, yeah, Dallas, there's there there the USL is going to survive this off season, but, you know, there will be uh, more scrutiny. There will be more exposure right. on USL in 2017 than there has been in the past. Yeah.
2: I just think over right. the years, you could you could point out the ways the N S L the NASL went wrong. I mean, if you're looking at the list of their teams, it seems like they have more teams that have either went out of business or moved leagues than they do actually have in the league currently. And even mm-hmm. if you look at the teams currently in the league, there are still some teams up in the air, such as like Fort Lauderdale or even the Railhawks or now North Carolina FC who announced their intention to go MLS.
1: Also I love how that got leaked. Um, the team had uh, a mobile phone app that accidentally blasted the memo a week early. And, like, I got to respect them for having their own app, but, like, that is hilarious. <laughs> uh,
0: so if I, if I may rush to their defense, for what it's worth, hire me. Um, it was four days early.
1: Okay, Okay.
0: and uh, you know, like, not a bad logo. Uh, So there's that, and like any name was better than Capital Rail Capital Hawks.
1: (laughs) That's true. That's true. Win-win for everybody, Uh,
0: and they got to put their logo next to MLS right away. So
1: yay. Yeah, Um, yeah. I think um, just to to go back to u s l issues being swept under the swept aside for the for the yeah. better story of yeah. n a s l issues i mean the uh, the quality in streaming has been an issue in u s l forever since the league started doing streaming with live stream and whatever that was a terrible terrible service um that like the the quality of a rochester stream is different than the quality of i think the team was Okay, C Energy had really terrible streams um, for for a couple of seasons. Um but you know, instead of shelling out a half a million dollars each to put games on TV channels that nobody gets, the the USL put it out for free on YouTube. And now they they have hired or are hiring a video production team. So the league will be producing all the videos in-house going forward. Um I think.
0: Well, and even in the in the east, you look at it. I'm trying to think. Like Richmond had a weird stream, like at least with the camera setup, where you know you couldn't see the corner flag on the on the on the near left side because there was a, a you know windowsill in the way or whatever. And then you have a team, and not to you know constantly sound like a homer, but I mean Bethlehem Steel ran off of the local. TV station and fed the YouTube right. feed from that, um, and I mean I was there every week. They had cameras set up on the away side of the bleachers, so you could see everything all the time. Um, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where now that USL by default has to not only take themselves <laughs> more seriously, but you know also they're open for so much more criticism and under a lot more of a microscope just because of, you know, Ottawa comes in, um, Tampa. you know, you're expanding rapidly, Tampa comes in, um, all these all these new eyes are going to be watching your product. You have to figure stuff like that out. You know, the, the, the streaming, you know, you need to make sure all your team's websites are up to snuff. You need to make sure that your data doesn't uh, explode when a player leaves the team. <laughs> um, you know, li- little things like that uh, yeah. that will make not only what was us, you know, like the media's job easier, but just the, the average fan who wants to go, oh, who's, you know, all right, right. Sean Coley signs for New York City. What did he do when he was in USL?
1: Right. and you know? I mean, speaking of casual fans, I don't want to sound like Rochester was perfect. I think there were three games in the last two seasons where the stream didn't work, where the league... One of the games had been rescheduled, I think, so the the pre-existing link to the YouTube video live stream was dead. And then another one where the you know the the hardware wasn't working right. And I mean that's stuff that can't really pass when you have a national um, spotlight on you. And I don't know how bright the spotlight's going to be on each individual team when there's thirty slash more teams in in a league. But you know that's. That's something that shouldn't have even happened in a professional Division Three league, let alone what where everybody is expecting would be a Division Two league in 2017. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, I don't know, Ryan, if you have experience or want to speak to just kind of the, the problems that USL might be facing that they... Uh might be aware of or or not yet but something that you think hey maybe you know if you're going to be a a division two league you might want to look into a little bit harder
2: I would say mainly look at the effects with the MLS two teams if you look at a lot of the leagues uh, Germany is the first one that will come to mind that have a lot of their very big clubs like Bayern Munich two or Stuttgart two they play down in leagues beneath division three and then when you have division two or a Division Two status with MLS Two clubs sitting directly beneath their MLS counterparts, it makes it seem like, okay, should we start matching up with the rest of the world, or should we still try and do our own thing? I mean, we just now got to three substitutions. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's a that's a big thing, actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: isn't there a there's a team in Germany that everybody really likes that is not owned by Red Bull, but is totally owned by Red Bull. Um, <laughs> And I, I, so I think it's one of those things right where uh, and I am going to relish in this moment because I get to say it pro re- promotion and relegation <laughs> will never happen in United States soccer stop talking about it it'll never it's I hope Ted Westervelt blocks me on every social media site that exists including <laughs> ones that I don't have like Zenga and Zenga. Foursquare
1: <laughs>
0: because it's not gonna happen Because look Mm -hmm. at what NASL did twice now, and now we have USL, which is going to turn into, hopefully, the AHL or AAA baseball of American soccer, where, sure, you have these two teams, but you have a couple independents in there, too, to keep things interesting. Um, And, you know, if you you put in pro-rel, FC Cincinnati comes up, last year Red Bull 2 come up, and that's great cool but like the Chicago Fire would run through USL any day of the week and like Red Bull 2 and FC Cincinnati aren't really going to have the, the firepower to compete with any MLS team so it's it's not going to happen
2: well they would at least give the New York Red Bulls a chance to have two teams in the playoffs <laughs> <laughs> once
0: a metro guys i i like you Sh- i shouldn't have said that oh, i'm gonna have to edit that no um, <laughs> um, yeah. um I... Ryan, you
1: mentioned some of the differences between uh mls2 teams and, and independent teams and i think that i mean more than on the field because obviously mls reserve teams were competitive in the in the past season they they're both in the playoffs or in the playoff final but um off the field when you look at i mean montreal was giving away tickets for free and they couldn't they couldn't fill a section. Um, LA Galaxy was giving away free parking and a free hot dog if you bought a five dollar ticket to the two games um, mm-hmm. at the, the StubHub Track and Field Center. Um, those teams aren't really geared towards, um, right. you know, the off-field kind of stuff that that USL wants and that, that project well, Vision Two status. So it's a little bit weird.
2: Yeah, it's just that bit strange. I mean, the MLS Two teams took up it six of the 18 teams in the playoffs so you have to look at saying are the independent clubs much better than the MLS two teams or are the MLS two teams around the same par as the independent clubs so Mm
0: um on on that too you look at the the independence on the eastern side of things and you go okay FC Cincinnati is the big one and they're angled for a move which i don't know how many more spots uh everyone's favorite bachelor don garber has left in his um <laughs> yeah. in his we'll keep that, uh, his keep rose parade <laughs> possible copyright infringement but um well no i guess parade of roses would have done it never mind uh but there's not a whole lot of room left in the mls in if you will um but then i mean you look at other indies um Harrisburgs by themselves and that's not going super hot for them <laughs> um, who else do we have I was going to say Pittsburgh but they're affiliated with Columbus loosely and I mean even yeah. you know even uh, and Brendan you could probably speak to this even the independent teams that aren't well the affiliate teams rather that aren't a uh, too directly have had some issues getting players from MLS teams
1: yeah I don't I don't quite buy that like any team that has an affiliation with an MLS team is, like, you can't consider an independent team. Like, the the Rhinos' partnership with New England Revolution doesn't change their decision-making or any part of their, like, off-field operations. Um, That partnership is basically non-existent and hasn't really produced anything of value for either team. Um, So they don't really... I don't think on either side they really value that partnership, and it's not like the Revolution are... You know, helping market the rhinos or anything. Sure. Um, so I think the the rhinos' decision making is, is in a lot of ways the same to any other independent team, but it's not trying to get MLS. I think an issue that USL has going forward, beyond reconciling, you know, teams that are, exist to make money and teams that exist to produce seventeen year old MLS players, um, you have what's going to happen to all these MLS teams like Cincinnati or like Louisville what happens to them if they don't get to MLS um, because we've seen what that hap- what, what that's done in Rochester but also I mean every team that comes into USL now is angling towards MLS that's that, like spelled out by Tampa Bay and Carolina both came to USL with with um, well Carolina presumably <laughs> will be coming to USL <laughs> uh-huh. with an eye on, on MLS um, so it's not something I, that really has to worry about right now, but, you know, two, three, four years down the road, what's it going to look like in those cities? You know, are they still well, going to be yeah. passionate, or is it going to yeah. be a soccer ghost town?
0: Well, when you look at it, how does the MLS break up their conferences? Do they go to three divisions again? That worked out really well the first time, just kidding. Um,
1: uh-huh.
0: you've, you've said that Sacramento gets in in 2020. What if you change your mind? You know, like, there, there's so many, uh, the the risk-reward assessment for promising a USL club MLS, mm-hmm. I don't know, entry, um, what is that, four years from now, is so high. The, the risk, the, there's no way that, you know, when Don Garber goes to Cincinnati on a solo date to meet Cincinnati's parents for the first time, um, <laughs> there's no way that he can go there and be like, yeah, like, you're the one for me. Here's a ring, because like that's not how the, that's not how the show works, man. You gotta like, you know, be, there's a big two-hour right. finale, fi- and there's a there's a <laughs> there's are. an hour tell-all. Like you gotta, you know. Yeah. And then the tabloids come out and they wonder if you guys are still together. It's one of those. It's a huge thing, um, and you know, Bachelor Don. Um, I don't know if he really knows what he's getting into here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But, These are all I mean, for
0: Kyle, by the way.
1: Uh, <laughs> at least this concern for USL isn't something that's you know life or death in the off season right. before right. twenty seventeen, but um, it's well, definitely things that that the league has to be concerned about looking ahead. Long-term. If we're
0: being if we're being honest, and you're the USL and you just allowed like eight hundred people to join the the NPSL or whatever, you don't really care because there's still going to be that pipeline of ooh you know, semi-pro team wants to become pro team um, in any capacity. Uh, So for the USL, as long as they can sort of replace the teams they're losing with other teams, they should be uh, fine. Because, I mean, in in theory, then, if you have a Cincinnati and a Sacramento move up to MLS, they're going to need USL affiliates, (laughs) I guess. So Mm -hmm. it'll be this weird, you know, never-ending chain of, of supply and demand. Ryan, being our resident um, fan supply out meets demand of team ownership to keep your team alive until you rebrand as North Carolina FC and try to buy the Wilmington license so that you can connect all the license or the all the fan bases <laughs> together and corral the entire state of North Carolina into one huge soccer fan base around a star. How you feeling?
2: Uh, I think it's, uh, I'm was fine with the North Carolina FC name. It just it seems. That if they don't make the MLS, it would be weird to call them North Carolina's team if the MLS decides to take up the Charlotte Independents, for instance. Well, I mean, that
1: that team would have to survive the next couple seasons. They they would have
2: to survive Brian Brown quality.
0: (laughs) Ex-Philadelphia Union three-match appearance maker Brian Brown is with the Charlotte Independents. And we're, you know... Anyway, um, that doesn't really... Zach Pfeffer was there for a hot minute. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) He needs a place to play. Uh, Anyway, yeah. uh, That whole thing's crazy. Um, Hopefully they figure that out. Hopefully Charlotte stays around. I don't know. They don't bother me one way or the other. I like their logo.
1: That's all I got. Um, Right. And I mean... um, Real quick, speaking on Charlotte, like, the reason why their future is a little unshaky is because they haven't been able to finalize a long-term stadium deal that makes sense for their fan base, Um, I mean, among other funding issues, but, like, that's something that USL has been actively engaging with teams about and and helping teams find out or figure out viable stadium options this whole calendar year of 2016. Um, And that's big.
2: Yeah. I mean, and I that, took a trip to Ramblewood. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. I took a trip to Ramblewood, and it just seemed like it was in the middle of nowhere, not really within or anywhere near Charlotte. And it seemed they needed something more permanent, such as something uptown at Memorial State, you know, if they get that finalized.
1: Yeah. And I think that was a little bit of a, of a positive long-term planning on USL's part. They looked at what their weaknesses were. They identified their weakness in broadcasting and, and teams controlling um, really, you know, good venues. And they've spent 2016 working on both of those. Um, so I think while there are, you know, long-term issues for USL, I think they should be commended a little bit for, for working on, mm-hmm. on at least the the most visible issues for the league.
0: Yeah, I mean as much as um overlord edwards if you will has been a um media presence doing every podcast to ever exist except for this one just because i haven't asked really
1: surprised he hasn't asked those.
0: well uh, we got a spot open um anyway uh no (laughs) one of us has to it'll be like survivor one of us has to leave and he comes back and it's great um, <laughs> but she I mean
1: has every classic reality show,
0: yeah, for sure, um but uh it it has to be said, give the guy a lot of credit for being able to assess what the league needs to legitimize itself, and then seemingly we're not behind the scenes all the time, but to go in <laughs> and actively try to put things in place to make that easier, you know because. Yes dc united needed a stadium for like 25 years and mls didn't really do a whole lot about it
2: um you could say the new england
0: well yeah yeah uh now we're getting personal but um i mean new york city needs a new stadium and they've only been in yankee stadium for two years but um you know for for him and the league itself to actively come in and say hey you know we want all of our teams to play in these stadiums that are that are you know, high capacity people can get to. There's adequate uh, facilities. That's a that's a big deal, and I, I think that that makes them stand out not only in American soccer but in American sports in general.
1: Yeah, just one last point. I think with um, the impending um, death of the NASL that everybody has been expecting um, to come for for the last two months, um, that will. You know, take away this dichotomy where you're either a USL supporter or an NESL supporter, um, so that people can honestly critique the leagues without bringing in, um, you know, your weird your soccer league politics and your pro rel discussions pro-rel. and your, your I don't know, conspiracy theories against some and MLS. We can kind of shift away from all of that and bring discussions back into the the realms of reality to talk about how to improve soccer leagues without turning it into this contest between two competing leagues.
2: It just benefits US soccer as a whole if we can critique the leagues on their own instead of pitting them head to head in like a death match against one another or we can at least raise the quality of the league as within US soccer.
0: Um I I I'm I'm done uh i think we've adequately i think we've adequately covered everything there is about to cover um and maybe and and then some perhaps i made a elongated bachelor um <laughs> metaphor so i'm i'm great uh gentlemen anything else to add in in closing
2: nothing else that's it
1: yeah
0: all right so for uh all of us here at e c c Eastern conference confidential which by the way Uh, is a part of the Beautiful Game Network. Got to get my plugs in or else Mike gets mad at me. Uh, For Brendan Doherty, Ryan Allen, I am uh, Evan Vallella, and this has been Eastern Conference Confidential (laughs) Episode 4.